Well, welcome to our third season of Knowledge Cast. If you're a regular listener, we're certainly glad to have you back with us again. And if you're a first-time listener, welcome, and we hope that you'll uh, enjoy today's podcast and join us again next week. We got a great list of guests scheduled for our third season, and you can read about them by going to jackwwilliams.com and scrolling down to the podcast section. Well, today it's, it's a real pleasure to have our uh, guest to be Dan Radakovich. Uh, Dan is currently the athletic director at the University of Miami in Florida. And prior to going to Miami in 2021, Dan was the athletic director at Clemson, where they won two national championships in football. And under his leadership, they doubled the athletic department's revenue over a five-year period, which is virtually impossible to do. And before going to Clemson, Dan was the athletic director at Georgia Tech, where I met him, uh, where he made major improvements in facilities and ticket sales. Dan also served on the college football playoff selection committee from 2014 through 2017. He's a graduate of Indiana University of Pennsylvania with a degree in finance, and he earned his MBA uh, right where he is right now at the University of Miami. So, Dan, thanks for carving out time to, to spend some time with us today. Well, Jack, thank you for the opportunity. It's great to see you again. Uh, had a lot of great friends uh, during my time at Georgia Tech, and you were definitely uh, one of them and always enjoyed the opportunity when we had a chance to speak in the past. Well, let's jump right down to the U. You got some exciting things happening at the University of Miami. Share what's been going on with your sports program. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's been... Uh, I got here in January, and right from uh, that point, our uh, basketball programs, both men's and women's basketball programs, were doing great things. Uh, At the end of the year, the uh, men's team uh, was uh, in the Elite Eight, uh, which uh, they had an incredible run. It was so much fun, and it really energized the campus. Uh, Our women's basketball team did a great job as well. They made it to the NCAA tournament, lost to eventual national champion South Carolina. The rest of the spring, great baseball, wonderful track, ACC outdoor champions uh, for our uh, women's program in the ACC. And all while that was going on, uh, there was the rebuilding of our football program under new head coach Mario Cristobal. Uh, And he has assembled an incredible staff of of coaches. Uh, They've been doing uh, incredible on the uh, recruiting trail. Uh, It's been a lot of fun to watch and help Mario and his staff kind of move ahead. Uh, We have have work to do uh, moving forward, but uh, at this point in time, we are just excited about the uh, upcoming season here at the University of Miami. Well, it seems like about every day in the Atlanta paper, I read about Miami signing another top 100 player. So uh, you have have it going down there. Um, Well, when you were the athletic director at Clemson, I mentioned earlier, you were able to, to double your revenue in a in five-year period. Uh, that's just amazing to me. What was your game plan? How did, what allowed you to be able to do that? Well, it was a, a great work of a number of people. And I'll start with our uh, the, the fundraising organization at Clemson, IPTE. I pay 10 a year, started in 1934. It's the oldest finan- uh, fundraising group in, in the entire country. Uh, IPTE really did, started to do Uh, a great job over the last five to seven years of of really reaching out to their constituency, Uh, the incredible uh, success of our football program certainly allowed uh, us to tell a great story there uh, to the uh, Clemson faithful as to how uh, we needed their support 
to be able to continue moving forward. So that was one part of it. Contributed funds certainly did double, and in some cases more than doubled um, during that time period. We also saw great growth as it related to premium seating sales because uh, there were some construction projects that we were able to do that uh, created some incredible return on investment. Um, that was important for us uh, as a department. And then licensing, sponsorships, all of those uh, ancillary pieces because of the success of the football program grew as well. Uh, It was a a great time in college athletics uh, as it relates to each of those areas I've talked about previously, as well as increased revenue from television distribution. So a lot of things lined up, Jack, uh, in a very positive way and and Clemson was uh, ready to uh, take advantage of them. Well, you mentioned in Miami the excitement that uh, was there on the campus and and the alumni for your basketball program. And obviously you had that uh, multiplied through your football program. And it's amazing. It's no longer amazing, but uh, it's just so interesting to see how a school just becomes alive when one of their sports team is is doing exceedingly well. Uh, well, let's stay at Clemson for a minute. You were there. We talked about the national championships, and uh, you had a guy there by the name of Dabo Swinney, and I know he's not your coach now, and that's a little awkward talking about a coach at another team, but he's an interesting individual. You and I had a conversation one time when I was visiting with you about him, but tell us what it was like working with Dabo. Oh, happy to talk about Dabo. He's an incredible friend, um, really enjoyed working with him during the time there, and Uh, Anytime you have uh, a good working relationship between your athletic department, your head football coach, president, and the board of trustees, that alignment is so critical for success within uh, an athletic program. And Clemson had that. um, And that was that was really special. And Dabo had a lot to do with it. Uh, What you see with Dabo on on television, he is just incredibly genuine. Um, that that's you, you know exactly where you stand with him. There's there's not a lot of uh, of politicking back and forth. It's just he he is who he is. He loves his players. Uh, he just enjoys life, uh, and and he is a great husband and father, and he is a wonderful philanthropist uh, in the upstate of South Carolina. He and his wife Kathleen have created the All In Foundation, and they've uh, they've given away millions of dollars to uh, the upstate of South Carolina. So uh, just a, just an incredible individual, someone who I'm very proud and humbled to, to call a friend. Well, I, I've watched twice the Decade of Dabo uh, program that he put together. It was like a home movie talking about his uh, 10 years there. It was just fascinating. Well, listen, you're you know, one of the most powerful and, and controversial uh, groups in college football is a college football selection committee that makes the final determination on who will be the four teams that fight for that national championship. And you are on that committee. Explain to our listeners how that committee works and, and how you go about getting to Selection Sunday. Oh, it was uh, an incredible honor to be uh, part of that inaugural committee. Each of the um, Power Five conferences um, you know, selected an athletic director from their midst and put them forward uh, for inclusion on that committee, along with uh, a lot of other great luminaries. Uh, that initial committee had uh, 
people like Mike Trangisi, uh, had people like uh, Dr. Tom Osborne. Uh, the, they, uh, they, they were just incredible forces inside that committee, along with the late Tom Jernstadt. And, and a lady you may have heard of, uh, Condoleezza Rice. Absolutely. Uh, was, was on that committee. And, and Condoleezza, the former Secretary of State, uh, was just a, a fantastic committee member. Um, she uh, had grown up around uh, football, had been the provost at Stanford and athletics reports to the provost at Stanford. So she was uh, very much involved in the day-to-day uh, -day operations of their athletic program. So she was an incredible uh, team member, uh, knew and understood football, asked great questions. And it was, a, it was an honor to be on that uh, committee with her. Well, I see that she uh, is about to join the ownership of the Denver Broncos. I, I saw in the paper the other day. Yeah, that's going to be great. The Denver Broncos and uh, made a great selection in asking her to be a part of uh, of that group. Uh, I, I'd be remiss to say, as, as it relates to that committee, um, Bill Hancock, who uh, is the kind of the CEO of the college football playoff uh, com uh, committee and, and organization, uh, Bill was a longtime uh, member of the NCAA staff, did a lot of work with their championships. And, and he, uh, was just, he was just tremendous as it relates to being a leader of, of that group, keeping everybody together, getting all the, the materials that were needed and necessary uh, for the committee people to do their job. And you know, we met together probably seven times before we did the final rankings. So you know, each Tuesday, you know, you had the ESPN group come together and uh, kind of critique uh, the uh, selections of, of the uh, committee members. Uh, we would get there on uh, a Monday morning. We would meet Monday afternoon uh, through the evening, probably till about eight or nine o'clock sleep on the selections that we had made, get back together Tuesday morning, make any adjustments uh, before breaking uh, around new time on Tuesday. And then of course, the uh, selections were made public uh, a little after uh, seven o'clock Eastern time, you know, each and every week. And one of the things that was really important was they did not, they being the college football playoff area, did not want anyone else to know what those selections were. It was really important for them to have the uh, first reveal of those um, during their the ESPN broadcast that evening. So uh, I'm driving back. I flew from Dallas to Atlanta and I was driving back to Clemson and I got a call from uh, my president at, at Clemson. And this is about 6.45, 6.50 before the, the, um, the show was going to go on. And that was the first time that Clemson was going to be ranked number one. Uh, it was, I think, 2015 that, that during that football season. So my president is on the phone with me. He's going, okay, tell me, where, where are we going to be ranked? <laughs> and, and I said, uh, Jim, I, I, I just can't. I, I can't tell you. I said, wait 15 minutes, be surprised, and, and then you can call me back. Uh, so he did. He waited, you know, reluctantly. Um, and he waited. And of course, I knew that it was going to be a great surprise for him and, and all the folks at Clemson for that first time that they were ranked number one. But uh, Ari Fleischer, who does the um, 
does the PR for the committee, uses that story for all the new members of the committee. So even <laughs> if your president calls you, uh, don't don't give up the ghost. Don't don't let them know. Make sure they wait until um, make sure they wait until the the show is aired. That that's a great story. Um, well, you know, I was going to ask you about something that's unusual that's happened, but that that certainly uh, takes care of that. Uh, when you lead up to, well, let me ask you this: you were on the committee, and your team was obviously being considered for a top slot. How, how do you how do you navigate through that? Well, it was uh, very clear. Uh, the rules were put into place, um, and it doesn't matter if your team was being considered at the top, the middle, or the bottom of that top twenty-five. You would recuse yourself and, and move out of the uh, voting room uh, while the other members uh, would talk about the team. And when the voting happened, you would then be able to come back into, into the room. So you would never vote uh, for your own team or even uh, be in the room while your team was being discussed. Interesting. Well, uh, recently, college players have uh, been given the right now to, to earn money based on their name, image, uh, and likeness or NIL. Share your thoughts on what's happening with that and, and what you guys are doing down at the University of Miami. Well, name, image, and likeness is a, it, certainly it's a little more than a year old right now. It's still a maturing uh, type of business, so to speak, for our student athletes. But uh, we're embracing it, uh, making sure our, our student athletes are. Um, they understand how to go about getting deals for their name, image, and likeness, doing it correctly, doing it within the rules of, that are set forward by the state of Florida uh, and the NCAA. So uh, a lot of education has gone forward, but uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a good thing for the student athletes. We, we want them to um, leave here, not only with a great education, we want them to leave here with a great athletic experience. And if along the way, some of them have the opportunity to take advantage of uh, their celebrity through name, image, and likeness, I think that's a that's a, a great opportunity as well because most of them, a very, very high percentage of them will not be able to make um, a, a living as a professional athlete. So their ability to maybe get a little bit of a head start on their future or make their their time at, at the university a little more comfortable with some additional resources. I think it's a, it's a really good thing. Uh, well, it's definitely uh, created some excitement and uh, some interesting uh, activities going along. And I'm hoping that they're able to kind of begin to manage that a little bit more consistently. I think it's a, it's a good thing for them to have that opportunity. Uh, it would be nice to have some consistency across the board down the road. No question. Um, well, we're, we're taping this in July, and uh, we have seen two major expansions in college athletics with Oklahoma and Texas moving to the SEC, and then most recently Southern Cal and UCLA jumping from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. As an athletic director at a obviously major Power Five school, what are your thoughts about the future direction of college sports, particularly college football? Well, that's a that's a great question, Jack, because uh, I think that, first of all, college football, I think, is going to continue to grow um, the networks um, who have given contracts to 
the SEC soon to, and, and soon to be giving contracts to the Big Ten that are very valuable. Um, ours in the ACC is, is valuable as well. Um, so I don't see football going anywhere, uh, the value of football. I think they, those dollars continue to move up because outside of the NFL, it's the most, um, it's the most popular sport uh, in the United States. Uh, I think the, the conferences themselves, and we had these two movements almost a year apart. Uh, so I don't know what the future will bring, but I do know that the ACC uh, is, is uh, trying to make themselves better um, coalesced around their um, grant of rights that they've given to the league, each one of the 14 schools. Uh, so as we look into the future, um, will we be aggressive and add on more schools to create increased value? Um, will we stay where we are? I think those are, those are all things that we're contemplating at this point in time under the leadership of our commissioner, Jim Phillips. So we have a lot of conversations about it. Um, and, but I think that we're going to be deliberate um, and make sure that we make the, the right decision, uh, not a quick decision, uh, because these are, these are decisions that have long-term ramifications for sure. Well, you know, it's, it's easy for the fans to say, well, let's just, you know, add more teams to every conference or however many are going to end up being there, but they don't understand that every time that there's another school that comes on, that slice of the pie gets a little smaller for the existing schools. And so those schools have to be bringing something to where there's a net gain through that process. It's not, you don't just add to, a, there's not an immediate value just by adding a school. So it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what happens there. Just real quick as we close up, uh, you, you're one of the most uh, respected athletic directors in that industry. And my guess is you've had some mentors along the way. Uh, anybody come to mind that you, you're really grateful you had an opportunity to spend time with? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, I'd gotten to know uh, the late Dr. Mike McGee, uh, who was the athletic director at the University of Southern California uh, when I was at Long Beach State uh, during some time in my career where I was on the West Coast. Uh, Mike then left Southern California and became the AD at South Carolina in Columbia, South Carolina. And as luck would have it, there was a job open and he brought me over there with him and had the opportunity to work with him for six years. Uh, he was an incredible educator. Uh, that was uh, what Mike was at the core because he was a football coach uh, before he became an athletic director. Uh, and so many of the people under his tutelage became athletic directors. I believe there was five that became athletic directors at, at various levels, uh, Power Five, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. Uh, so he was an incredible mentor. And then during my time at, at uh, LSU, uh, just prior to coming to uh, Georgia Tech, I, I worked for Skip Bertman. And, and Skip Bertman has, has had been an incredible baseball coach throughout the 90s, 80s and 90s at, the, at LSU, won five national championships. And he really was someone uh, who taught me a lot about the value of, of your customer and, and your investor within your program. That was uh, really what, what Skip was all about, making sure that people did have a great experience um, at, at his baseball games when he was the coach at LSU, but every sport that was uh, being put forward. So, you know, it, it was customer service uh, before it got to be really cool. 
uh, you know, within uh, collegiate athletics. So very, very honored to, to be, and there were many others, but those two um, certainly stand out. Oh, those, those are some great ones. I, I, I'll close with a short Mike McGee story. When I was playing at Georgia Tech uh, and he was coaching at Duke, we beat them at Grant Field. And uh, as you know, the, or you probably don't at that time, but the visiting dressing room at that time was underneath the athletic office. And it wasn't much of a dressing room, but it had a door with a wire uh, supported glass uh, inside it there. And uh, we came back into the office or heard about the next day that uh, after the game, Mike McGee got so bad, so mad that he rammed his fist through that wire reinforced glass door and uh, cut up his fist, broke the door and left with his whole right hand taped. He was he was quite a competitor and quite a feisty individual, uh, but he was also a very good football coach. No question about it. Um, I did my best during my six years with Mike not to see that side of him. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, once again, thanks so much for being with us. As I mentioned earlier, we're taping this in July right after that major, another major landscape change in college athletics. And I can only imagine the number of meetings and conference calls that you've been on since that announcement was made. And I really appreciate you sticking to our signed day to tape this interview. It would have been very easy and warranted to ask to delay it. So thanks so much for carving out that time and being with us today. Well, Jack, it's my pleasure. Um, really love what you're, what you're doing with this podcast and other things. Um, within the industry. So uh, it, it's a pleasure to be here and uh, let's stay in touch for sure. Will do. Well, as we close another of our podcast, thanks uh, to each of you for making our podcast uh, part of your day today. And I look forward to seeing you again back with us next week. And as I always close, I want to remind you to make sure this week, I want to challenge you to be a positive influence in the lives of others. Thanks for being with us. Hey, before you go, we wanted to let you know about Jack's book called The Question, a guide to answering life's most important question. In this book, Jack shares his personal journey that began in 1993 to determine the values, principles, and beliefs that would guide his life. Whether you are a spouse, parent, grandparent, friend, leader, educator, coach, or mentor, Jack's I Believe statements apply to all the roles he has played during his lifetime and can do the same for you. Jack's message applies to all people, ages, and careers. It's an easy read with compelling stories, enjoyable humor, and sincere transparency. The question is now available in ebook and paperback exclusively on Amazon. Go to jackwwilliams.com slash the question to learn more and buy your copy today. Again, thanks for joining us for this episode and join us next week for an all new episode of KnowledgeCast by Ideals.